I want to start the sermon with a story. There were 150 people gathered at the home of a deputy ambassador in a South American country. And these people, they were English-speaking people. Most of them were new to the city and worked for, you know, um, multinational corporations, nonprofits. And they had gathered at this reception, at this home, um, to hear the stories of a missionary who had um, grown up and worked in one of the uh, one of the remote areas in the country. And so, you know, it was like your typical missionary gathering. There would be a slide presentation. There was uh, stories being told. Um, this, this missionary told about how when he was 10 years old, he, he moved there with his father who labored for 20 years to, to translate the New Testament um, into to this tribe's um, native language. Well, after the presentation was over, um, he asked if, if anybody had questions. Well, well, of course they did. There were all kinds of questions. Um, first one was, any tigers out there? And like, oh, there's tigers out there. He said, I remember the first time I spent the night in the jungle. We were in the bamboo hammock, and I heard something in the jungle, and I, I asked my guide, what's that? And uh, the guide responded and says, oh, that's just a tiger. Go back to sleep. He says, well, you don't go back to sleep when it's just a tiger. And people in the room laughed. There were questions about menu and diet. You know, what are the, the craziest things you've eaten? All of the questions were, were kind of similar until one man stood up and asked his question. He said, Sir, could you please tell me why these people should become Christian? What right do you have? to change them. And the meeting became quiet. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we need something to say. And it gets particularly uncomfortable, it seems, when someone asks us about our faith. I wonder how comfortable we are with that. Now, Paul was comfortable with it. Uh, in fact, Paul was compelled to it. Like, he had such a passion to, to share his faith and to share his story, uh, really with anybody who would listen, to, to share his story of, of his in, encounter with Christ and the freedom that he found in this uh, newfound life of following Jesus. Well, in our, in our story for today, uh, from Acts chapter 17, Paul is in Athens. Now, if you uh, love a good action adventure, you might be disappointed with today's story because Paul doesn't get beat up, doesn't get thrown into prison, uh, and he doesn't get kicked out of the city. Uh, but he does move into this uh, uncomfortable space where he begins to share his faith in the public arena.
You know, in our story, some observations that I've made that, that seem important, several of them actually. Uh, the first one is Paul's awareness. He goes into the city of Athens and he's present there. Like he notices stuff as he's walking through. I think probably most importantly, He's noticing the people around him, and he's noticing what they're doing, and, and he has sense a sense of the lives that they're living. Uh, but he noticed the city's idols. Like there was just an, a lot of what we call idolatry, certainly uh, in, in Paul's faith, uh, this understanding that there's one true God who brings life, and that we as human creatures, we, we chase after all kinds of other things. And so um, he was distressed by this says. And so his heart went out to the city um, because in, in Paul's mind, um, they didn't know the one true God. And so uh, he wanted to, to share that with them. Another very important thing, um, an observation that I've made, is that Paul was very comfortable in his own skin. Like, uh, he didn't hesitate. It says that he, he argued with the Jews in the synagogue, in, in these public arenas, um, that, that he went into the, to the marketplace and he uh, argued with the, with the philosophers in town and, and, and some of them even saying, you know, what's this, what's this babbler got to say? And so maybe even in the midst of, um, you know, offensive comments, uh, Paul was undeterred. He would argue and, and debate uh, with anybody uh, that, that would listen to him and that would debate with him. Some people say that at the time of Paul, that Athens was the greatest university town in the world. Like, that's crazy. But Paul didn't seem intimidated by that. So he went into the Areopagus. Uh, in Greek, that's, that means Mars Hill. Uh, and, and it was not only the name of the place, but it was also the name of the court that met there. And, and this court dealt with cases of homicide and uh, with cases dealing with, with public morals. And they invited Paul to come and to talk about his faith. I'm like, yikes, that would freak me out a little bit. Uh, but Paul does it. He's comfortable with who he is. Uh, he, he's comfortable enough with his story um, to have conversations about it. Well, a, a third thing that we notice uh, about Paul in Athens is that surrounded by all these people, with all these, with all these different faiths, with chasing after idols and who knows what, um, he respects them. He assumes the best about them. And he approaches them that way. Uh, he affirms them. He says, I see that you are extremely religious. Paul says, I looked carefully at your objects of worship. And so he affirms them to, to be the seekers that they are. Paul knew that, that they were searching, as all of us are. And he begins the conversation uh, in that place of common ground. Now, I think about us. And this fact that you and I are called to uh, share our faith, maybe even expected uh, to share our faith with people. Um, we can be uncomfortable with that. I, I know that... Um, in, in my upbringing as a United Methodist, um, we're really good at sharing our faith um, in acts of service 
and acts of devotion and, and generosity. And, and I think that's a, a, a critical part of faith sharing, of being a witness to, to Christ. Um, but I wonder how good we are at the kind of thing that Paul does, like saying the name of Jesus, talking about our faith story. Uh, you know, in the, in the book of Acts, right before Jesus ascends, and we, we say this every year around the time of Pentecost, uh, Jesus says to them, in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's like a great commission verse. You know, that, that Jesus sends the disciples to the ends of the earth uh, to tell God's story of life in Christ, and of resurrection, and of hope, and of forgiveness, you know, at the, at the end of Matthew's gospel, there's the, maybe the more famous uh, verse, we even call it the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, we tend to shy away from, from this, I've got to go make disciples, because it's like, I've I, I got to go convert you. I've got to go make you something. Um, but the language in, in Acts 1, Jesus says, go be my witness. Tell the world about what you've seen and about what you've experienced. And so, that's what Paul is doing. So how does Paul's story help me, help us, in sharing our faith story? Well, I think maybe um, we notice the same three observations and apply them to us. So um, there, there needs to be an awareness. So I, so I need to ask myself, am I aware of my surroundings? Do I pay attention to stuff? If you're anything like me, like you're so busy, you've got so much of your own agenda, so many of, of your own tasks, not only work stuff, but family stuff. Um, it's easy for us uh, to scoot from one thing to the next and not see a person right next to us. So am I aware of my surroundings? Um, am I present with people? Or again, is it about my agenda? So like, am I listening to you? So maybe an important part of me sharing my faith story begins first with listening to your story. And, and, and I also think this, you know, Paul was, was comfortable with who he was. He was comfortable in his, am I comfortable in my own skin? Am I comfortable uh, with, with my faith story? Not, not trying to be something that I'm not, you know. And that can be an easy thing to slip into for the pastor of a church, because the expectations are pretty high, like the pastor of the church knows everything there is to know about the Bible, um, everything there is to know about United Methodism or, or about the faith. And, and sometimes um, there's a temptation to just pretend, you know, like, yeah, and just kind of go along with somebody. Don't you hate that when you're faking it and, and going along with somebody like you actually know what they're talking about and, and then you get caught? We just have to be ourselves. Just simply be who we are. Uh, warts and all. Ignorance and all. I read this story in the, the Chicago Tribune some years ago about this guy named Dave Duvilla. When, when Dave was 24 years old, he took, he took a job in, in Chicago, and he had to leave his very close-knit family in East Moline, Illinois. And family gatherings just weren't the same without Dave. And so his mother took a digital photo of Dave and 
enlarged it life-size to Dave's five foot eight uh, height and put it on a piece of cardboard, this heavy cardboard. So uh, at first, flat Dave um, just showed up to, to family gatherings and he just kind of stood quietly by. He was there, maybe not really noticed, but eventually his fame spread. Word got out about Flat Dave throughout the community and he kind of became somewhat of a celebrity. People wanted to have their picture taken and so they would pose. Complete strangers would pose with him. So Dave's brother Dan says that he thinks Flat Dave is actually better looking than the real Dave. And, and Dave said, you know, sometimes things get a little bit awkward. Uh, Dave, who the family now calls Thick Dave, he says, I'm in Chicago talking to my mom on the phone, and, and, and she'll say, hold on, hold on, I've got to load you into the van. <laughs> it's a little weird, he said. You've got to be who you are. I can't be flat Keith. I've got to be thick Keith. I've got to be real Keith. You got to do the same. Paul respected the people that he encountered because there was love embedded in his heart for people. And we have to respect people too, and that manifests itself in lots of ways. My dad became a missionary um, in Malaysia back when it was called Malaya in, in Southeast Asia. And he was invited to a, a fancy dinner, and he was invited as the guest of honor. And so my dad said he's sitting in, in uh, the, the guest of honor seat and they bring out a platter of food for him and they gave him the best piece of the fish. And what they brought him was this giant fish head and everybody's eyes were on him and he, asked, he had to eat this fish head, eyes, brains, tongue, all of it. He said it actually wasn't that bad. But, you know, the thought of it can, can feel kind of gross. It reminded me of the scene in Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom, you know, when they're the, uh, the monkey brains, chilled monkey brains are served. I looked that up. That, I, I, that's actually a thing. In some places in China and some places in Southeast Asia, uh, they, they eat monkey brains. They believe that if you do that, you will be imbued with ancient wisdom. Uh, it's also important to, to note that it's a rare dish and it's considered uh, extremely cruel by the vast majority of Chinese people, but it's a thing. When Chan and I felt called to go to Indonesia as missionaries, uh, that was the plan anyway, uh, we ended up getting diverted to Lithuania. But as we were preparing to go to Indonesia, to a 90% Muslim nation, we're reading books on Muhammad, we're reading books on Islam, I realized that I was going to be the, the pastor of a Christian church in, in Jakarta, Indonesia, and probably every single day was going to be surrounded by Muslim people. And I began to imagine, this was my plan, this was my dream, that I was going to find a guy about my age, and at the time I was in my early 30s, who was also a runner and had a passion for running. Because in Indonesia, they've got these races that, um, I forget what they call them, but it's like a scavenger hunt through the woods and um, a hash, it's a hash. So somebody who would run hashes with me, and then after we would run, we would, we would sit at, in a coffee shop and just drink some really good coffee and talk about our faith. A Muslim guy who was uh, 
genuinely seeking God, a Christian guy who's genuinely seeking God, and have conversations about what we believed and uh, what we thought uh, who God was. We'd have these faith conversations. You know, uh, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we need something to say. I read a story about a pastor who intentionally made friends with people who were atheists and non-believers and non-churchgoers. Um, and one time he was visiting with these friends on their new yacht. And they had this, you know, this nice gathering together and it was time for him to go. And so he's uh, getting off the yacht and, and halfway down the, the yacht's ladder to get to the dock when the friend leans over and says, Hey, I got a question for you. I've always wanted to ask a Christian what it means to be one. Could you tell all of us? Yikes. Peter writes in his letter, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Jesus says to us, be my witnesses, tell my story wherever you are. And Peter says we need to be ready for that. Um, to make a defense or, or just to make a proclamation uh, of the hope that's there. Because people are searching, but this is the thing. God wants to be found. And, and so in our story, beginning with verse 26, from one ancestor he made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for Him and find Him, though indeed He is not far from each one of us. So we're to be witnesses because people are fumbling around and wanting to find uh, God and know who God is. But really, before we can do that, uh, before we can be a witness, we have to have witnessed something. And that's what we see in Paul. You know, Paul says, you've, you've got this plaque to the unknown God, is what he tells them. And he says to them, I want you to know that God is not unknown because I know him. So we need to know who we are. We need to know where we are and to be comfortable with that. And we need to have some friends. <laughs> Maybe be intentional about that too. And res respect who they are and respect where they are. And you're probably never going to have to eat a fish head or a monkey brain. You're just going to need to do what friends do. Talk about stuff. Amen. Oh,